that brother Josh, the brother Josh is with us this evening, and when I found out uh, brother Josh was coming, of course he knows it's always an open invitation to preach. Uh, when he comes, he's always welcome behind this pulpit. If I know he's coming, he's just supposed to preach. And uh, so when I, I heard he was had finally made it here, supposed to come last week, and uh, the weather didn't permit. And uh, so he came on this week, and I was hoping, you know, that nothing would happen or nothing would prevent him from being able to preach tonight. Didn't want him to lose his voice, didn't want him to get too tired, didn't want the weather to put him out, because the last thing I wanted to do was have to go back and recap and finish preaching what I did Sunday morning, finish that message. But anyhow, we're glad to have Brother Josh with us tonight. I'm glad to have all of you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Ain't God good? Amen. God's a good God. Amen. Want to remember, continue remembering our uh, youth, Brother Roger and Sister Candace, and they just are having a wonderful time at Canaan Land Camp. I think there's a I said this earlier, about 200 campers there this year. Holy Ghost is moving, and uh, just pray for them that the Lord's a long way away. They've got about five hours or so, maybe seven hours time. They uh, stop a few times coming home, and uh, so uh, remember them in prayer that the Lord would give them safe traveling mercies. I, I'll start traveling, my traveling in the morning. I'll start driving about 445, get to the airport, uh, and I fly out early, early. It's going to be all day flying time we get through the airports. Uh, just to get to the Caribbean. This is the way it worked out with the uh, price of the uh, airfare. And I'll be preaching the National Convention in Turks and Caicos Islands. Uh, be back Saturday. I fly out tomorrow, and I'll be back Saturday. Be here Sunday morning. And uh, then Brother Charles and them will be leaving. I guess it's next week. Is that right, Brother Josh? Uh, Sunday. Be leaving Sunday. They'll be going out uh, to Ecuador. So let's remember that trip. We just set our 126th. Uh, debt or bonded slave free today. Sent the funds off to do that. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's 126. Amen. And I believe we're going to hit 200 before long. Uh, let's continue to remember Brother Bob Carnegie and Guatem Guatemala. The uh, Mount Fuego has erupted again. And uh, so we'll just pray for all of, all of the, let's pray for Guatemala. I, I, you know, with everything that's happening there, we're going to read here, but with everything that's going on there, anytime a tragedy uh, comes or, or disaster comes like that, you know, a lot of times a revival can follow on the heels of that as people begin to look heavenward for help and they turn their hearts and their minds and their eyes toward God. And so I want us to pray uh, that, that the Lord would deal with hearts and lives in Guatemala and give us revival. I felt like revival was going to come there uh, for a while. I've said that from this pulpit. You know, we've had this uh, Mount Fuego, this volcano eruption there. We've got people on the ground that are going in. Uh, to help them with food and, and water, Brother Bob and Servant's Heart Ministry. But let's, let's just continue to pray. Brother Jeff's going to be going back there, I think, in the summer, uh, planning to go back and set up the School of Christ where we have a continuation of those schools, forming an alumni. Guatemala's not a big place, so a few of those schools, I'm telling you, it'll cover, it'll cover that country. And I believe in the Lord to send revival there. I said that about the Caribbean, and two or three storms came through, and I can tell you God's turning some things over in the Caribbean, there's a revival that's coming. It's starting to happen now. You and I are blessed to be a part of that. Um, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, 
that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to stop right there. I, I didn't have anything in the office back there. Any uh, in the office? Okay. You forgot, didn't you? <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this evening. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for what we've already felt in this house, God. And we thank you for the good reports and the testimonies that's coming in from the ministries around the world. We just pray, Lord, that you continue to pour your spirit out upon them and upon us. I pray that you'd move in this Wednesday night service. Give us a Pentecost, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. You might be seated. Now, in the text tonight, the Bible tells us, recapping and moving on through to finish the message, the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. It said that this in and of itself should be the aim of every service, every time we come together, to reach the place where all of us that are assembled are sounding the same note of praise and worship and adoration and magnifying the Lord. Psalms 133 verses 1 through 3 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of a hermon and as the dew that descended, thank you, that descended upon the mountains of Zion. The Bible said, For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. When you see that 133rd Psalm, and in the very first verse, you find that word, Behold. Anytime you see the word, Behold, in Scripture, it's telling you there's a principle. A principle is something that a lot of things depend on. It's something that is necessary. Not everything in the Word of God is principle. Uh, a lot of much of what is said in Scripture are connecting points to bring things together, to pull in the whole landscape of something to help us understand the overall or general message. But here you have the word behold, and that word behold means look at this. Take notice of this. This is necessary. And then the Bible said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We have to see that. Now the Bible said, Behold how good. We saw Sunday morning that the word good has four different meanings here. It's number one, it's morally right. It's morally right. Behold how morally right it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. If it's morally right for the church to be unified, then it is immoral if we're not unified. God can't anoint us if we're not unified. God can't bless a divided church. The Bible tells us that a house divided against itself cannot stand, it will fall. We cannot be the church if we're divided. We cannot be the people of God if we're divided. It is immoral if we allow ourselves to be divided and ununified as a people of God. Secondly, it's intellectually excellent. It means we have an understanding of what God is trying to say to us. Behold how good. We know that it's the right thing to do to dwell together in unity. It's psychologically healthy. It's good for the mind. It's good for the psyche. Amen. We can say with David when you walk into a unified church, amen, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. You ought to be glad when it's church time. You 
ought to be happy when it gets time for church. You ought to look forward to coming to the house of God. Even though there's battles to fight, spiritual battles to fight, when we come together, and we know the enemy is going to try to hinder the service, the devil's going to try to distract our minds. He'll do all he can to keep the message from going forth, to hinder the preacher in the preaching, to fight the congregation, to stop what God wants to do in that service. But when we're unified in purpose, and we know that God has a reason for us coming together, and we're glad to be there, it's good to be in God's house. Amen. We fight hell on that job. We fight hell uh, in our homes. You fight hell in that school. You're exposed to all kinds of things outside the walls of this church. But when we come together in worship within the walls of this church, we are one people of a like precious faith. And when we walk out, we ought to be able to say it was good to be in the house of God to worship with the church together. Behold how good it is for brethren to dwell and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's morally right. It's intellectually excellent. It's psychologically healthy and economically beneficial. Unity is necessary for the economy, the flow, and the government of the church. We cannot be the church if we're not unified. But if we're bound together in unity, if we believe the same, amen, if we're pursuing the same goal, then when we come together, God's order flows and that church is anointed and able to do what God has called the church to do and God can accomplish his purposes in any and every worship service. So behold how good. Look at this. It's morally right. It's intellectually excellent. It's psychologically healthy. It's economically beneficial. You understand? And then we see a type when all of this comes together of God's divine order in the church. Amen. It says it's like the oil that flows upon the head, from the head to the beard, even Aaron's beard, and down to the skirts of the garment. I'm, I'm trying to move on through this tonight, but oh, it's good preaching. Amen. I said it's good preaching. The head of Aaron typifies the head of the Christ, a uh, head, head of Christ, which he's the head of the church. That oil is uh, flows upon Christ, and from Christ, it flows from the head to the beard, or the mouth. Uh, Aaron was the mouthpiece of Moses. Amen. It flows from the head to the mouthpiece, then down to the skirts of the garment. It flows from Christ. That oil, by order, flows from Christ to that pulpit, be it the pastor, the evangelist, the missionary. Amen. God's old man behind the pulpit. It flows from that pastor to that church, the skirts of the garment, and it saturates that body. If there's one thing we need tonight, it is for the oil of the Spirit to saturate our church. Hallelujah. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We see that divine flow and that divine order again in the book of Acts. Amen. The Bible said your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Amen. Now that word old comes is where we get the word bishop from. Doesn't have as much to do with age as it does a place of authority in the divine order of God. Amen. God's old man. The old men shall
shall dream dreams. God's old man dreams the dream of God. He sees into that spiritual world. He sees and hears and knows the mind of God and the will of God for the people. He delivers that. The young men have visions. Amen. A vision means a piece of the dream. When God's old man is dreaming, when the divine will of God is revealed to the church, amen, the young men get a piece of that dream. They catch that vision. When the old men dream, old man dreams, and the young men catch the vision, the sons and the daughters prophesy. Amen. That's our kids. That's our children. And what you see here is a type of God's holy anointing flowing by order. Amen. Through that church, by free course, in and through that church. Hallelujah. Oh, that's Pentecost. That's Pentecost. And when God, God said, when you get it all right, when everything is in place, the Bible said it's there at that point and in that place that God commands life and the blessing even forevermore. Oh, my, I want God to command life on this house. Hallelujah. We was in this prayer meeting last night. As I was walking and praying, I said, oh, God, command life on this house, life, revival, divine anointing to know and and to do the perfect will of God. The Bible said when that order's right, God commands life. Amen. If you're going to be alive, there's going to have to be life. Amen. Life and death don't exist together. One replaces the other. Amen. If you let sin dominate your heart, your mind, and your life, you're going to die. I said you're going to die. Amen. But if you're willing to let get in God's order, if you're willing to let God's life flow to you and wash away anything and everything that's contrary to the will of God, you as an individual will live, and we as a church can and we'll live. Hallelujah. I want to be alive tonight. Hallelujah. I want my preaching to be alive. I want my singing to be alive. I want my walk with God to be alive. And I want to worship in a live church. Come on, somebody say amen. I want the church to be alive. Hallelujah. It's there at that point and in that place he commands life. Amen. Unity. Unity. The state or quality of being one in one accord and in harmony. That is singleness of purpose and action. I'm trying to go on. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible said, Now as the trumpeters and singers uh, were uh, uh, making one sound to be heard, saying, Praise the Lord, for he, he is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Bible said the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Hallelujah. When you get it all together, when, when the church gets it right, Amen. I mean, when you're flowing by God's divine order, amen, when you have the approval of God, amen, the cloud of God's glory is going to fill the house. Hallelujah. I tell you, God wants the same thing here that the prophet Isaiah saw in the heavenlies. I'm trying to go on here. Amen. Isaiah 6 and 1 said, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw also the Lord setting upon his throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That's the glory of God. Amen. Wherever God is, his glory fills the house. You cannot have God and not have his glory. You cannot have the divine presence without having his anointing. His train filled the temple. The Bible said, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. In between, he covered his face. In between, he covered his feet. In between, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. Those seraphim, those angelic beings saw not only the glory of God filling a house, and Isaiah saw, but he saw the glory of God filling the earth. How does the glory of God touch the world? I can tell you, through a church that's alive, through a church that's anointed, through a church that has a message that breaks the chains of death and sin. Oh, let me move on here. Amen. Then the Bible said in the text, uh, and suddenly, amen, suddenly, I like, uh, let me rephrase that. Amen. I love the suddenlies of God. Oh, my, wherever you find a suddenly of God, it'll give you something to shout about. Amen. How many is ever, well, let's define the word here so we can understand what we're dealing with. The Bible said, and suddenly. And that word suddenly means instantly, surprisingly quickly and without warning. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Bible scholars say that that sound from heaven was like the sound of a tornado. You've seen the documentaries. You've watched the news reports. They'll ask somebody, what did it sound like when the tornado touched down? They said, sound like a freight train. Amen. There was something that happened in that upper room that produced a sound of Pentecost. Oh, my God, help me here tonight. I love the sights and the sounds of Pentecost. Something caused the crowd to look that way. It wasn't just that they came out of the upper room, staggering like drunk men and talking in tongues. Something got their attention. There was a wind that was blowing. There was a fire that was falling. And I pray that that same wind blows through this house tonight and that same fire falls on this church. My God, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, my. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. Amen. Cloven tongues like as of fire set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When did it happen? When did it happen? Suddenly. Amen. Suddenly. I read about suddenlies in the Bible. There's a suddenly in Acts 16 and 26. The Bible said, and suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were loosed. Hallelujah. 
In Acts chapter 16, I said 6, but 16, you have Paul and Silas in prison. I want to tell you, you can have a suddenly in the, in the midst of your worst crisis or trial. You can have a suddenly in the middle of your heartbreak. You can have a suddenly, amen, right in the midst of a fiery trial or the greatest trouble you've ever known in your life. Amen. Paul and Silas treated wrong for doing good sitting in a pool of their own blood, hands and feet bound. But the Bible said they started having church. Hallelujah. They started worshiping at God. And the Bible said suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. When did it happen? Suddenly. Everything looks hopeless, bound hand and foot in the deepest, darkest, filthiest part of the prison. Everything they could see shouted hopeless, helpless, give up. But then suddenly everything changed. I don't know what everybody came here under tonight, but I can tell you this. In an instant, my, my, in a moment of time, suddenly, amen, the change can come. The restoration can come. The answer can come. The confirmation can come. There's a good lesson here. There's a good lesson here. What do you do when everything goes wrong? You worship God. You praise God. You magnify God. Your fault, their fault, the devil's fault. You get over it and worship God. I come here to worship God. Amen. We showed up here tonight on a Wednesday night, a slack crowd. I'm telling you, I read where two of them in a jail cell had a Holy Ghost revival and a suddenly of God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We find another suddenly. In Luke chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible said, i got to go on here. And suddenly there was with uh, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Amen. This was a night like any other. Shepherds are watching over their sheep. Then suddenly... These lowly shepherds became the audience to heaven's choir, and their lives would never be the same. Heaven showed up, and heaven showed out. Amen. They, they went from being shepherds to evangelists. My, I want to see heaven's might and heaven's power and heaven's glory in this house, and you can see it suddenly. You ever, you ever remember... A, a time, a church service, amen, where things were just kind of going on, uh, maybe normal, usual. He's singing in the choir, preaching that sermon, praying in an altar, and then suddenly everything changes. The atmosphere changes. Glory falls. Don't you ever come to a church service and look around because of what you see or don't see or hear or don't hear Amen. And ever, ever lose sight of the fact that at any time, amen, when things line up and everything gets right, uh, that God can't come down and move in a mighty way. I've seen it happen a lot of times. Amen. I've experienced those suddenlies of God.
Amen. We have another suddenly in Acts chapter 9. The Bible tells us that on his way to persecute the church, Saul, one of the greatest enemies of the church, experienced a suddenly of God. The Bible said in Acts chapter 9 and verse 3, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, the Bible said, there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a vo voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Amen. Now there's two lessons we can learn here. You can pray a suddenly down on somebody that the devil told you is a hopeless case. Amen. A hopeless cause. They didn't come much worse than Saul. Amen. They didn't come much worse than him. Amen. He put the church to death, but on the way to Damascus to do more damage and do more harm. Amen. A suddenly came to his life. Jesus let him know it's a lost call, son. You can try, but you can't win when you're fighting against me and you're fighting against my church. You may have somebody in your house. You may have somebody in your family that's fighting that Holy Ghost conviction. But you keep praying. You believe God for a suddenly experience to come to their life. Secondly, it reveals to us that Christ can reveal himself suddenly. Suddenly. The greatest experiences along the way in your journey with God will be in those times when Jesus suddenly reveals himself in a way that he's needed at the time. You see, that's the way he is. He reveals himself through the practical situations we face and deal with in life. Amen. I know he's a healer because he's revealed himself to me as a healer. Amen. So I know by experience he's the healer. I know he is a restorer because he has restored my soul. I know he is a sanctifier because when I needed sanctification, he became my sanctification and my sanctifier. I know Jesus is Holy Ghost baptizer, not just by your testimony or somebody else's. He baptized me in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that Holy Ghost came suddenly. That revelation of Christ can come suddenly. So live in the expectations of God's suddenness. That is a part of being Pentecostal. Knowing that at any time God can break in to the stream of life. Amen. To the way of things and change things suddenly. We ought to preach every sermon. We ought to teach every lesson. We ought to sing every song. And sow every seed and pray every prayer with the expectation that suddenly, amen, something's going to happen and something's going to change. Suddenly, somebody's going to fall under conviction and be born again. Suddenly, somebody's going to be healed. Suddenly, somebody's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Suddenly, the yoke of addiction and bondage is going to be broken. Suddenly, somebody will receive their joy 
die suddenly the spirit of fear is broken suddenly hope is going to spring forth live in expectation of God's suddenlies could happen tonight I remember I was preaching years ago it, it, over in the old sanctuary I was I was in a I was preaching as revival it was actually a a revival service and I was preaching I think I can't remember exactly who the pastor was but anyway I was preaching revival and honestly that night when uh, the service got started we started just moving along in the service it was it seemed to be tight you know just wasn't really flowing I didn't feel like really there was liberty in the house and I was I, was, I can remember the message I preached that night uh, but as I was preaching along there uh, suddenly something happened it just it, 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 went, it went from almost pulling the load uphill to just heaven opening up and wonderful things starting to happen you if you if you could explain it every time it's probably not God Come on, I said it's, it's probably not God. It, it certainly wasn't the preaching, but somehow the preaching got everything and everybody lined up. In the back of the old sanctuary, some of you probably remember, we had a sound booth. Sound booth had a little narrow door that you went through that door and up the steps, and then you set up high, and you controlled the sound looking out over the congregation. Well, we, we had a sound man in the sound booth, and, and when God suddenly filled the house, amen, he had a door, but he, he just couldn't make it to the door. All of a sudden, I see a sound man diving out the sound booth, hit the ground running. I remember some of the ladies in the church jumped up, started spinning like tops. Amen. I'm telling you, revival came to the house. I wouldn't advise anybody to jump out of that sound booth up there. It better be the Holy Ghost. I said, it better be the Holy Ghost. And if it ain't the one you land on, better be the one you can whip. Say amen to me, somebody. Hallelujah. But I do love the suddenness of God. I'm telling you, I'm preaching right now with the expectation of a suddenly, amen, just any minute now, the Holy Ghost could fall in this house. Let me move on here. Amen. There are, are, are two identifying remarks of Pentecost that were and still are and must always be. Number one, what meaneth this? What meaneth this? And secondly, something's wrong with these folks. They're, they're, they're full of new wine. Something is happening there that's out of the ordinary. Oh, my God. This modern, worldly, neo-Pentecostal, overly dignified, what it you might call it, church, so starchy, amen. They, they, they look and about, act about like anything, and everybody out there that knows it's not a church and doesn't even call itself a church, 
But when that real Holy Ghost falls in that real Pentecostal house, there's some differences that take place. Come on. There's some identifying marks. And they said, what meaneth this? We don't understand this. This is unusual. This is out of the ordinary. There's a wind blowing. There's fire falling. And there's folks walking out of this upper room and they're preaching. And they're declaring the great things of God. And we hear every man in our own tongue. What does this mean? Oh, my. When they ask the question, what does this mean? It gives the church the opportunity to give them an answer. But to have an answer, you got to know what it means for yourself. You got to know what it means to be Pentecostal. You got to know why you believe what you believe. Hallelujah. And you can give a man an answer. Peter stood up. You can read what he preached in about three minutes' time. Hallelujah. And 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom because when they said, What does this mean? What's going on? God's man had an answer. Ooh, they said, What meaneth this? These men are full of new wine. They're drunk. Peter never said they wasn't drunk. He just said, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're not drunk like you think they are. You ever seen somebody drunk in the Holy Ghost? Amen, I've been there. Now, the mistake is to make the emotional part of the Pentecostal experience supernatural in and of itself. It is not. That's true that the Holy Ghost moves on us. Holy Ghost touches our lives, flows into us and, and out from us. But, but what you're experiencing there is the natural man under the supernatural influence of God. And when the supernatural touches the natural, the natural responds. Hallelujah. Now, now they've, they've, a lot of them out there change their opinion, and they think we've lost our minds. They say, it's all emotional. It's not all emotional, but God made me an emotional creature. Come on, say amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you cry when you get sad? Sure you cry. Is it a sin to cry? Is it wrong to cry? No, it's not wrong. Do you laugh when you get happy? Is it a sin to laugh? Is it wrong to laugh? Of course it's not. And when the Holy Ghost falls on this life, when the anointing of the Spirit falls on my life, amen, I may shout, I may run, I may dance, I may crawl. Hallelujah. It is a response of the natural man to the supernatural of God, and it's all right. Don't you ever be ashamed to cut loose and worship your God. I saw a man backslide over that years ago at the old sanctuary, Sister Lyons. He's a good man. That Holy Ghost would fall on him. He'd get to worshiping God. Amen. And when he was... When he was done and he got home and got to thinking about it, he let it bother him. I'm sure somebody probably said something to him. It got to bother him. And he said, I can't help but act the way I act when I feel the Holy Ghost moving. But then I get a little embarrassed later on. Well, I can tell you one thing. He had too much pride for one thing. Look, I don't care. I don't care. I, 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 let me get a drink of water here. Some people think we're crazy because we 
perspire, scream, uh, get excited. Someone from my family who's from a Baptist uh, background went with me to a revival years ago to preach. As I was preaching, I was feeling the Holy Ghost. And was going back home, and they said, Son, do you have to get so loud? Do you have to, do you have to holler? I don't think I even took a breath. I said, yes, I do. Now, maybe you don't. Look, Jeremiah said it's like a fire shut up in my bones. And honestly, if I've ever told you the truth, I'm going to tell you the truth. I do not care what other people think about me being Pentecostal. I don't care what crowd I'm in. I don't care what crowd I'm preaching to. It does not matter to me. I am going to have church and let God move on my life. Somebody say amen. Don't ever let anybody walk in this church and make you think you need to be different than you know you should be. Amen. Worship God. That's one of our distinctives in the Pentecostal church. We worship God. We pour. We, we give it our all. We let God touch us and move on us. Amen. We just allow the Holy Ghost to have his way. Said these men are full of new wine. Now this was spoken critically, but it was spoken truthfully. They recognized that they were full. And the sad truth is today is that most of us need to be full. We're not filled like that. Most of the so-called church is satisfied with just enough Holy Ghost, they say, to get them to heaven. Amen. The prophet Elisha said to the little widow woman who buried the uh, borrowed rather the empty vessels to set aside that which was full. Full meant ready for service we're not ready for service until we're full amen that's why Luke 24 49 Jesus told his disciples to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high when the upper room got filled amen then they got filled and when they got filled it overflowed out into the streets and when we get full we'll minister from the overflow it'll flow over to somebody beside us. It'll flow over in our home and we'll minister from that overflow. It'll touch hearts and lives at home and around the world. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled. Not touched. That's Old Testament there. Touched. Moved on. Withdrawn. Till another time. But Jesus, or the Word of God, Word said in Acts chapter 2, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I don't care how they try to change that. I don't care how they may try to debate that at whatever meeting anywhere. The baptism in the Holy Ghost comes with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Somebody told me that I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I didn't speak in tongues. Well, you, do, you wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost then. As you get baptized in that Holy Ghost, you're going to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance the Bible said. Now, what language is tongues? I can tell you it's the language of heaven. That's what it is. What language is tongues? Secondly, it's the language of a sub submitted, surrendered tongue, that last most unruly member of the body. That tongue's caused more trouble in the church, in any church, in every church, than, than you can possibly imagine. And that yielded 
tongues. Somebody said, well, it sounds like they're saying the same thing. It's not a language. Yes, it is. It may not be a foreign language. It may not be an earthly language, but it's the language of a yielded tongue. doesn't matter what that sounds like. Come on, say amen to me, somebody. Some people cannot. They've been, the ones that have been around Pentecost the long, longest are the hardest ones to be filled with the Holy Ghost because they think they got to sound like somebody or so-and-so or somebody's told them they got to speak in another language. I understand I spoke in a Spanish tongue one time while I was talking in tongues behind this pulpit and is watching live streaming uh, in, in Guatemala. That's what they told me. I said, the, the lady that was listening, the lady teaching, uh, Sister Marcy and Sister Rachel in, in the Spanish school said, I didn't know he spoke in Spanish. They didn't either. I, my, my, the extent of my Spanish is pretty well confined to uno, dos, tres, and a few more after that, and that's it. Hola. After that, adios. A few more and that's over. I, I spoke in tongues. She heard Spanish. It can be. But when I feel the Holy Ghost and this tongue turns loose and I don't try to hold back, I'm telling you, that's evidence for the unbeliever that that Holy Ghost is there. And they say, what is this? What means this? And you don't have to preach tongues to get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. Preach a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Let them get filled with the Holy Ghost and they'll speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. Now, there are many other responses to the Spirit. That may mean shouting, dancing, running, jumping, crying, laughing, or all of the above. But when we get filled and full, there will be an outward manifestation of what's on the inside. And many of the issues to struggle with could be solved forever if they just surrender completely and know it's the will of God to, for a church, an individual, to be full of the Holy Ghost and line your life up in the order of every church to be full. That ought to be our goal tonight as an individual and as a church to be fully Pentecostal. But to be fully Pentecostal, we've got to be Holy Ghost filled. Not only as individuals, but also as a church. Amen. So then you have to let God deal with those things that prevent you and prevent that church from being uh, full. One of the reasons we struggle with so many things is we're not filled. You cannot be present tense, full of the Holy Ghost, and be filled with lust. Oh, let me go on here. Or be full of anger. Or be full of hate. Or be filled with unforgiveness. Or jealousy. Or strife. If these things define you to you. Or if these things define you to others. Okay, how much you speak in tongues, how much you run, jump, you're not full of the Holy Ghost. Here's one thing I've learned. I won't finish this tonight. I'm, uh, just get to it later. Musicians, you can come on around and help me tonight. There's one thing I've learned in living for God and being a part of the Pentecostal church. It's for just about everything real. There's a counterfeit. Uh, the only thing the devil cannot truly counterfeit is genuine salvation and sanctification. He can't be a sanctified devil. There's always something wrong there somewhere. But this condition of being full has to be maintained. It's not something you get once in a while. And I think, you know, we don't, we don't preach once saved, always saved, do we? We don't preach once sanctified, always sanctified. Amen. Now, we don't preach progressive sanctification in the sense that you're either a little or a lot sanctified. You're either sanctified or you're not, period. 
Sanctification is also synonymous with spiritual education to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. I don't care if that man's been a tongue talker for 40 years. When he starts living in rebellion and open disobedience to God, his sanctification is going to come unraveled. And he better get back in an altar and renew that experience with God. But then if we don't preach once salvation, once saved, always saved, we cannot preach once sanctified, always sanctified without a maintenance, and we cannot preach once filled, always filled. Everybody knows you can fill something up, but if you use it without replenishing it, you're going to pour it all out. So when we take services for granted, or if you, you came tonight on this Wednesday night and you thought, well, just I'm just going to show up and that's going to be the end of it. You came here. I'm glad you're here because you gave me somebody to preach to, but you walked in here with the wrong mindset. Amen. This is not a little dabble, do you? A little touch will suffice once in a while. Amen. We've got to seek to be filled every day, every service. Amen. You have to keep in contact with the source. And in conclusion tonight, the Apostle Paul said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That actually means to keep being filled. Be not drunk with wine excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul is speaking of being full of the Spirit in contrast to being drunk with wine. He's saying that when a person becomes full of the Spirit, his or her life will show that they are under the influence of the Spirit. They'll live under his influence, talk under his influence. They'll preach, testify, walk, talk. Everything about them demonstrates that they're under the influence and are controlled by the Holy Ghost. They ask that question, what meaneth this? Somebody said they're drunk under the influence of something. The crowd said, what's going on here? Peter gave them an answer. We ought to be able to have an answer. What meaneth this? When the alcoholic suddenly has no more desire for drink. What meaneth this when a husband and a wife are on the verge of a divorce and they walk out of church holding hands? What meaneth this when someone who's given up on life and given up on themselves, ready to commit suicide, but suddenly hope springs up and joy fills their heart and life, and they walk around singing and praising God and thanking Him for the privilege of being alive? What meaneth this? Someone who's been blind from birth starts seeing again. What meaneth this when the hardest hearts are melted and the worst of enemies become the best of friends? What meaneth this? In other words, they were asking, how can you explain what's going on here? There's some things, church, that come with this that don't have an answer but supernatural. It's not technical. It's not confusing. It's simple. It's just God. When a church is truly full of the Holy Ghost, it'll provoke those questions because of the miraculous and the divine taking place in the hearts and lives of the people of God and in that church. Amen. They'll walk in and they'll say, we never saw it on this fashion. We never felt it like this. What is this? What's going on? But for them to be exposed to it, we've got to be full. Amen. There's a lot of conclusion here. There's a lot of so-called Pentecostals never been exposed to the real. I've met them. Their idea of what it meant to be Pentecost, what it means to be Pentecostal, and what it really is, thousands of miles apart. I'll, I'll close with this, Brother Josh. I think it was last last year, maybe. I, I think it was last year. One of our meetings we had. We had some young ladies that were uh, 
worship leaders in a big Pentecostal church in Orlando. And uh, they showed up at the meeting here that we had going on. I think it, it had to be one of our camp meeting, and it was. It was a camp meeting and missions conference. And um, service was going on when they came in. If I'm right, I, I believe it. But at any rate, when they walked in the foyer of the church, and they heard the worship, they started crying, they started trembling. And when they came to me after service, they said, when we walked in, we felt something like we've never felt. Now, how, how is that? When you're a worship leader in a Pentecostal church running hundreds and hundreds of people, how can you walk in the foyer of our church in a meeting and say, we've never felt this? Well, it makes one wonder, what are they feeling? What, what is it that's, that, that fills their, that atmosphere? I can tell you. I can tell you. Flesh. Whatever they're feeling is produced from the efforts of the flesh, and it's, it's temporary. It comes and goes. It, you, you, you can feel heaven high on a Sunday, but if it ain't Holy Ghost anointed on a Monday, you're in trouble. On a Tuesday, you're getting desperate on Wednesday. I'm telling you, you, you need help. But when you can walk in a church and say, I never saw it, I never felt it like this before, that lets you know something there is real. And it's not that I'm trying to convince us of that. We know it's real. I just want us to appreciate it and thank God that it's here and not ever take it for granted. I don't want a pastor somewhere and it, it, it's a dead church that don't want God. There's a price you have to pay for the real. If you have the real and the Holy Ghost fills that house and there's life in that place, what I you're standing with me as they begin to play. We, we come in here tonight looking across the, the crowd see a lot of empty spaces out there. But Sister Tay said she wanted a choir, so we had a choir. Had, had a good-looking choir, I thought, for the crowd we had. And as we got to singing tonight, I'm telling you, something got to stirring in my soul. And it wasn't just because I came to church in a good mood. I didn't come in a bad mood. Amen. I, I just came. I was ready. I, was, I, was, I found out Brother Josh wasn't going to preach, and I said, Man, I'm on a, I, I got to preach tonight, and I'm going to get to preach tonight. I was looking forward to getting here, to getting back into this and finishing as much as I could of this message tonight. But, but something got to moving, and something got to stirring, and what is that? What is this? When they said, what meaneth this? The man had an answer, and I've got an answer for you tonight. What is this that we feel? What's this stirring? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the answer to every dilemma in your life. 
It's the anointing. It's the solution. It's the healing for your sickness. It's the encouragement for your soul. It's the restoration for your spirit. Every good thing God has is made available to this congregation on a Wednesday night. Amen. Dave, Rebecca, you drove an hour to get here. They flat drive an hour to get to church. I said to them the other night, I said, that's a long way to drive to get to church. And Dave said, it's all right. We've been around. We, we see what else is out there. I'm not throwing off on anybody anywhere. I'm just telling you, when you feel like, when you know God is there, appreciate it, love that, and let that life minister to your life. Let God make you what he wants you to be. What is the need in your heart tonight? What's going on in your family? What have we talked about? What are we praying for? What are we believing God for? The answer to it all is in this house tonight. Pentecost, Holy Ghost, amen. He is the answer to everything. I get prayer requests. I'm telling you all the time. We're going to pray here. I think we'll start, we'll start singing that song before we pray, and we'll all sing it together. Let the Holy Ghost from heaven, is that it? We'll sing that. But I get prayer requests all the time, all the time, by text, phone calls, whatever. And the answer to everything I've ever heard is moving and flowing in this crowd tonight, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let him move on your life. Amen. Worship him till you feel him moving in your life and on your heart. Press, push, amen, fight whatever battle. It's going to be the easiest you're going to fight right in here. Amen. You're inside a church where people love you. This is the family of God. Amen. We're all worshiping together. Amen. You ought to leave here tonight with a burden lifted. You ought to walk out of this place tonight and say, it was good to be in God's house. Amen. I will, Brother David. I can tell you, folks, I have felt the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. I think nothing, nothing like feeling the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. I'm addicted to it. I've got to have it. Somebody raise your hand and say, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Sing that song, Sister Tish. Hallelujah. Sing it with us before we come around and pray here tonight. When Jesus left this earth for glory, he told all of his disciples to return to, to the, the upper room in Jerusalem. He said that when he got to heaven, he'd pray to the Holy Father to let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on them. Oh, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Oh, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Oh, I will sing about him, shout about him, talk about him to everyone I meet. Let the Holy Ghost from heaven sing that chorus. Oh, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Oh, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Then oh, I will sing about him, shout about him, talk about him to everyone I meet. Let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Now when they did as Jesus told them, they went to the upper chamber. They rejoiced while they praised his name all in one accord. And as they praised him for the promise, there was fire and a sound from heaven. Yeah, the Holy Ghost came as promised by the Lord. Sing that third verse. If you desire this gift from heaven, God's word tells you how to have it. You must pray and believe the promise is for you. Then as you give your life to Jesus, 
and pray for the blessed promise. Oh, if you with the Holy Ghost, through and through, sing it with us. Oh, let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. Oh, I will sing about him, shout about him, talk about him. Oh, let the Holy Let's come gather around this altar tonight. You can kneel or stand, but give him praise in this house. 